You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 151. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, coming off a quick vacation and some overnight Olympic viewings, I am itching to get back at it. We have two Your Stock Artake segments for you this week. The first is on Well Health Technologies Corp, symbol W-E-L-L on the TSX, an omni-channel digital health company focused on empowering doctors to provide the best and most advanced care possible while leveraging the latest trends in digital health. Wealth has been highly acquisitive and recently closed another significant acquisition. A listener asks us if the recent pullback is an opportunity. Our second Your Stock Our Take came in from a listener on Tree Island Steel, symbol TSL on the TSX, which operates in the steel business and is primarily engaged in the manufacturing and sale of steel wire and related products for a diverse range of industrial, residential construction, commercial construction, and agricultural applications. Tree Island is lightly traded microcap, which has shown life again in 2021 after a decade of moving sideways to down. A listener asks us our take on this little followed company. Finally, our dog of the week is a once high flying but highly speculative microcap, which we have warned listeners against purchasing on at least two previous shows. Sono Nanotech Company Inc. is the company's name, symbol S O N A on the CSE. After briefly skyrocketing to highs in the $14 range in 2020 on pure speculation, the company's shares have cratered to 35 cents. A listener asks us if the shares have any value after its massive drop. Julia Grosso from Vancouver to win it for Canada! Canada came! Canada conquered! Canada gold at Tokyo 2020! Okay, we're probably not supposed to uh, play that on here, but I don't really care because that was an awesome moment for Canada. Now, first off, my number one sport is hockey, but this past Friday morning, I was a massive fan of Canada's women's soccer team. Like, I coach my six-year-old daughter's soccer team, and um, I had the family up to watch it, and that was an absolute roller coaster of emotions, the game itself. Um, Going down one nothing to start, battling back, on the VAR video assisted replay call, Jesse Fleming delivering literally with like cold precision. It was 400 degrees out, but somehow she had ice in her veins and, you know, puts the penalty kick in. Then to go up, you know, one nothing in penalty kicks and miss three in a row. Canada missed three in a row. And then Sweden has two chances to win it. And their veteran captain is on the line and she skies the ball, the first effort, effort, like completely missing the net. Then Deanne Rose has to stand up and she absolutely 
with an unstoppable effort, top right-hand corner, the shootout is sent to sudden death. And the Canadian goaltender, who was just awesome the whole tournament, Stephan, Stephanie Labbe, she like is enjoying the moment, like all this pressure seemingly, uh, and makes a great save. And then we get the 20-year-old, you know, from our area here, the Vancouver area, Julia Grasso. She like, makes no mistake, and Canada wins gold. It was absolutely unbelievable. It was it was awesome. Brennan watched none of it. Did you? Brandon? I didn't. I, I'm going to welcome my co-host. Yes. But you've seen you. the highlights now. I saw on, the right? highlights, yes, but uh, it was a little too early for me. I was still uh, in a deep sleep, in a deep slumber. And uh, to be completely honest, you know, speed walking and the steeplechase are kind of, you know, my sports rather than soccer. Mm. So. We talked about those being the the the, the absolute biggest drawing events at the, yes. at the Olympics for sure. But I got to tell you, I, I've been watching this Canadian women's several iterations of it, their soccer program now. I think like I go back to 2002, FIFA's under 18 women's championship. It was hosted by Canada and I remember watching it and... Like, literally, that's, like, Grosso, who scored the winning goal, was one years old at that time. So this game was a big deal. And you go back to that tournament uh, when, I think, Canada got in the finals against the U.S., lost one nothing. Uh, it was held in Canada. It was at Commonwealth Stadium, Stadium in Edmonton. Any of our clients who are or listeners who are in the Edmonton area, maybe you remember. Uh, Christine Sinclair was amazing in that tournament. Um and I think it took 20 years for, it literally took 20 years for Canada to finally beat the U.S. to get to this final and then get to the finals and beat Sweden as underdogs. Uh, honestly, it's I, my daughter turned to me and she said that's the first time she's ever seen a tear in my eye, right? So it was really cool. It was awesome to watch. I mean, the, I thought the Olympics, you know, while the starting time sucked and there are no fans, but... <laughs> in the stadiums, which made it weird, but like watching Damian Warner win a decathlon, like the first or only the fourth man ever to get 9,000 points. Andre DeGrasse, like literally DeGrasse. And anytime he stands up in a race, gets into a, a, a final in the Olympics, uh, he literally medals every time or Canada medals every time. It's just amazing to watch. So congratulations, Canada, is what I would say. I know this is a podcast about stocks and finance, but, um, you know, I, I think it was an all, a, a pretty cool games for Canada overall. So I think we should uh, acknowledge that here today. And Brennan, you were watching the race watching, walking, Yeah, right? race walking and steeplechase. And, mm-hmm. But in, in that, uh, sound seriousness, amazing. I was watching golf. What the hell um, is the steeplechase? Can we, like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's I don't a good want question. to get into that. And to okay, be honest, let's... I didn't know about it until Ryan uh, kind of educated uh, I brought me, it up but, to you. Uh, anyways, yeah, well, anyways. Let's, I uh, think that you still have chance. You're what, you're what, 12, 13 years old? You have a chance to still... Yeah. get into the steeplechase Possibly. i mean there's what seven or eight athletes in the world yeah. you could at least finish eighth in it which would be respectable at the olympics and i like right? jumping in puddles so yep definitely mm-hmm. yeah i could see you doing that yeah anyways um so I, many of you may have noticed uh i guess or i don't know i, I haven't even mentioned that aaron isn't here today but i don't even think anybody cares does anyone even <laughs> care if he's not here like i think last week's show with uh just him there and i think you were there i'm not sure brennan i didn't wow uh, it, of course i didn't really I notice there. but but uh, i think this was the lowest rated show of all time so i'm i'm back here to try to bring our ratings up once again and uh i'm really confident that we can do that did you want to get into anything before the companies 
Um, the only thing that I'd like to say is that I did uh, write a nice article called The Greatest Lesson Charlie Munger Taught Warren Buffett. Um, and this mm, was actually It is a good article. It's posted on our, our website. Yes, yes. It's posted on our website, on the blog. Um, you know, it's just kind of interesting going into how Warren's investing strategy was when he was younger and then also Charlie's investing strategy and how they're different um, and then how they kind of, you know, came together and, uh, you know, I guess utilize both strategies together uh, with Berkshire Hathaway. Anyways, it's a good, uh, I enjoyed writing the article. Uh, I think it's a good piece. And as well, um, the reason I wrote this is essentially um, I was actually sick over August long weekend um, and I ended up watching Warren Buffett's um, um, documentary, I guess. It's a 2017 HBO documentary um, and you can watch it on um, YouTube for free. Uh, and if you go to the article on our website, you can get linked to that uh, to that documentary for free and you can watch it if you're interested. Um, you know, I really recommend it to any clients because realistically it just, you know, has the the solid investing principles that, uh, you know, Keystone, um, you know, tries to portray for clients and just uh, for investing in general. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a good read and a good watch. So uh, that is all I would like to say beforehand before we get into. The yeah, I mean, that's what that's what a true analyst does when they're sick instead of watching, you know, like a <laughs> some of the Olympics or watching like, uh, I don't know, a movie from the MCU movies, all the Marvel movies. You watch a documentary on Warren Buffett that shows your absolute dedication right there. Honestly, that is the truth. Or, or it shows something about yeah. you. I'm not really sure what it but shows. But it's the truth. Really. No, I literally uh, I, I watched the Warren Buffett documentary and I look at stock charts and look through cedar honestly i'm a i'm a stock nerd but i love it it's uh, there's nothing boring about uh, investing in good companies and, and making money of course yeah and we're gonna get into a few companies this week a couple of them uh, per- decent companies that we're gonna get into and uh we will welcome aaron back next week i believe he'll be uh, on the show again so all his fans um can welcome him back Aaron's grandma will be definitely happy that he is back next week is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Now let's get into our first Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. The first one is on Well Health Technologies Corporation. Came in from a listener, W-E-L-L on the TSX. It's about $7.50 in that range, $1.6 billion market cap. What does Well Health do? Well, Well is an omnichannel digital health company focused on empowering doctors to provide the best and most advanced care possible while leveraging the latest trends in digital health. Now, clients will know Well Health as the company that acquired a past recommendation, CRH Medical, and helped us turn a profit on that investment. Now, the stock has pulled back of late. It has performed tremendously well over the past three years and has a skilled capital allocation team at the helm who have grown businesses and exited at a significant profit in the past. So that is a plus for the business. Recent acquisitions. Well, well recently acquired MyHealth's 48 clinics across Ontario and now became the largest owner-operator of outpatient medical clinics in Canada with 74 in total. Now, I would expect that that number would continue to grow given that both Well and MyHealth have active M&A strategies with MyHealth in particular having an active pipeline of over 125 targets. 
uh, we are assuming those are uh, clinics. Now, CRH Medical further augments a strong MNA pipeline and picture, and CRH has been acquisitive over time as well. To fund further acquisitions, Well should have access to over $300 million in capital, including capital from the closing of a $200 million senior credit facilities. Uh, and some other credit financing used to help fund the My Health acquisition. So good growth outlook, but let's look at the valuations. Wells EV 2021 expected EBITDA is in the range of 30 times, which is high. This drops to about 17 and a half at, if we look at the 2022 expected EBITDA. So it's more attractive based on that. Now, while I do not love using, and I hardly ever use enterprise value to revenue metric, because many of Wells' peers are light on profitability or even EBITDA in terms of comparison, we can take a quick look at Well from this perspective. Well is trading about 4.2 times EV to revenue on 2022 revenue expected, which is slightly above its primary care or omni-channel peers. It's about 3.6 times which they are, they are trading at, so it's 4.2 versus 3.6. It is at a significant discount to its telehealth peers, which are, which are at about 7.5 times 2022 expected EV to revenue multiple, and a discount to, tele, or, uh, to healthcare technology peers at 10.9, so a significant discount. But it is a premium to the average healthcare services peers, which are at 1.8 times, so... It's a lot of numbers to throw out there, but well does not fit perfectly into any of these boxes, given the fact that it is a mix of telehealth and traditional clinics, but its valuations is not off the charts when we look at these and some would argue it still has room to grow. Uh, but we are seeing a contraction in valuations in the sector generally after sky high multiples earlier this year. So conclusion for us. For share price growth to continue long-term, management will have to continue to execute, skillfully walking the line between dilution and creating cash flow on a per-share basis. It can be a difficult path to chart, but well, has a team that has done it in the past. We see the company as an intriguing bet on management longer-term. Growth will have to continue if it can. Well, maybe an option. We monitor it closely, and we expect it to be volatile. Perfect. Good analysis. Um and yeah, just you know, building off of that, I've touted it many times. There's another company that I really like under our Canadian small cap coverage. Um, that's you know a healthcare services provider essentially. Um, you know, trading at a lot better valuations, great growth. Anyways, obviously, I'm not going to say the name right now. Um, but another company that we can potentially anticipate to feature on the podcast is a company called Nova Leap Health Corp. Um, NLH. And that's not the company that you're referring to that's in our coverage. Let's just make that crystal clear. No worries, no worries. Um, But no, that's good that you say that. I anticipate a bunch of emails. Oh my God, which company? Yes, that's the company, that's the company. But no, so (laughs) that is, I just wanted to say that that is um, another health company that we are going to take a look at that actually came in from one of our Canadian small cap subscribers. Yeah, and it's an interesting name as well. uh, You know, that other name that I was touting. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll, you know, take a look at that one as well on a future episode. Um, you know, as he's, he even says here, you know, it was ranked the second fastest growing company in 2020 in Canada, you know, but realistically, it really all comes down to the numbers, comes down to the valuation. We really need to take a peek, but uh, just wanted to allow listeners to, uh, to know that uh, that's, that's coming up in the, the future. A little teaser for what we have in store coming up. 
when Aaron's back. Maybe we'll throw that Aaron's way. But I, I have a feeling yeah. you'll probably t- want to take a look at that. Company. I, I kind of want to take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, just steal it from Aaron. He doesn't. Yeah. You know, it's mine. He's it's not mine. here. Doesn't matter. Okay. Now our second your stock our take. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call your stock our take. Buy, sell, or hold. Came in from a listener on Tree Island Steel TSL and TSX. Brennan. That's Thank yours. Thank you. So yes, Tree Island Steel, uh, TSL on the TSX, uh, currently trading at a price of about $4.07 and has a market cap of $116 million and a dividend yield of about 2.5%. So Tree Island Steel operates in the steel business and is primarily engaged in the manufacturing and sale of steel wire and related products for a range of applications. Just to go over some of these products, they include bulk nails, stucco reinforcement products, concrete reinforcing mesh, uh, fencing, and other fabricated wire products. So some key points here is uh, the company announced a one-time special cash dividend of $0.05 per share payable on October 15th of 2021, uh, as well as this special dividend is in addition to the company's regular quarterly cash dividend of $0.03 per share that is also scheduled to be paid on October 15th of 2021. I don't know exactly when that ex-dividend date uh, was, but uh, any current shareholders I believe right now can anticipate that coming uh, in the future. And looking at the company's recent financial results for Q2 of 2021, there was some good revenue growth that increased about 47% to 74.4 million compared to the same period last year. And this growth was due to higher demand with the economy reopening and because of increased selling prices across all market segments with the increase of steel prices. Now, net income for the quarter also increased substantially from last year to approximately 9.1 million and adjusted EBITDA grew over 260% to 14.7 million from 4 million for the same period last year. And management indicated that both the increase in adjusted EBITDA and net income was influenced by the elevated pricing along with ongoing inventory and cost management uh, across the business. But they said, as the steel supply chain rebuilds, inventory and availability of product improves, we anticipate more balanced market conditions in the future. So my question here is, does this mean that the elevated profitability is sort of one off or will it be ongoing for some time into the future? And uh, realistically, it would be good to interview management to get a better feel for the sustainability of this profit going forward. Now, looking at the balance sheet, they have net debt of about $74 million and a net debt to EBITDA multiple of 2.6 times. So getting up there, but not too bad. And a valuation of an EV to EBITDA multiple of 6.6 times, which I would say is reasonable in my opinion and possibly trading near or under fair value. That is if growth like this can continue. Now, one point that I do want to make here is that revenue really has been kind of flat uh, and sort of lumpy really realistically over the eight or the past eight quarters, except for these last two quarters where we kind of been seeing the economy open up. So just bear with me. I'm just going to run over the revenue over these last eight quarters. So um, we went from forty nine point seven million to forty five million to about fifty eight million back down to fifty and a half million. Then we went to 53 million, 54 million, about 67 million, and then back up to 74 million. So you can kind of see that realistically, uh, except for the last two quarters, realistically revenue has just kind of stayed around that 50 to you know 55, 57 million mark. 
Um, so there really hasn't been sustained growth going forward, which is kind of a concern. And, you know, something that we'd want to ask management about is if, you know, this revenue growth will continue or as if or if this is just essentially from pent up demand. That's a big question that we'd have. So to conclude, Tree Island Steel appears reasonably attractive. Although lumpy, the company has been growing revenue and profitability, has a decent yield, reasonable valuation, and a reasonably healthy balance sheet. But like I said before, what one must keep in mind here is that we have two two forces at play. The first is increasing demand from the economy reopening. And the second is the increase in steel prices, which are up over 200% from the same period last year. And this increase in steel prices is essentially what has helped the company increase its profitability margins substantially. Now, generally speaking, if someone thought that the price of steel was going to continue to increase, I think that it could be a decent option to gain exposure to this underlying trade or investment thesis. But long term, there is definitely some uncertainty such as if steel prices turn and demand for steel begins to slow in the economy, we will see the opposite effect happen with revenue and margins declining and subsequently the stock performing poorly. So realistically, it's a tough call. Fundamentally, the business is performing well as of recent, but some speculative aspects uh, really keep us hesitant from recommending the business to our clients. Yeah, I think it's a good summary. And I guess, you know, and you, you talked about this, what, as far as going forward, is it an investment right now? We have to look at what has changed in the last couple of quarters to increase revenue growth and profitability. If the growth and profitability increase is sustainable or whether it's just a near-term bump. If it is sustainable, True Island probably looks great. If it is a near-term bump due to steel price increases or pent-up demand and we don't expect steel prices, they're, they're not likely to continue at the growing at the pace they did over the past year, for example. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, if we don't see that, then, you know, you're caught in a situation where this may be a company where nothing really has changed in the business other than those two factors that are really outside of their control. And they may be one time in nature. And then you've got a company that looks great, cyclical company that looks great financially, which is typically the worst time to be invested in a company like that. So, you know, that that is the issue when you've got commodities and one time events impacting a stock price. You've got to definitely, like you said, I think it's what six point something times EV yeah, EBITDA six six yeah. yeah yeah six and a half in that range uh you know if it continues to grow at 30 40 percent that's you know looks like a screaming buy um historically it hasn't so we would expect that profitability to be more one time in nature and that's why we'd be more cautious on it uh over you know looking two to three years out and, uh, you know, it's it's prudent to be cautious on these businesses that have exposure to commodity prices or pent up demand during like this one time slowdown type event. And then it's some pent up demand that comes in. So and I think management themselves is exactly. And if I could even reiterate that, you know, yeah. this is this is pulled right from the management's MDNA. They say, but as the steel supply chain rebuilds inventory and availability of product improves, we anticipate more balanced market conditions in the future. So they're kind of you know, uh, leading into yeah. you know, what we're kind of expecting almost as well. So if you see a normalization, even a pullback in growth, like if you see a quarter where, you know, there's uh, revenues decline and profitability declines, the share price inevitably will get hit and hit probably significantly. And that's why, you know, while current numbers look good, uh, 
the question is, are they sustainable going forward? And that's the question we always have to look at in a business like this, um, you know, because it, it can be highly uh, fluctuative and, and, and sensitive to commodity prices and pent up demand and all those things. So that's why, while it looks cheap, it may be a value trap. Certainly. Okay, now let's get to our, is there anything else you needed to add on, uh, nope, on Tree Island? Thank okay. you for your, uh, for your comments. We're going to look at our dog of the week. And I noticed you put dog of the week slash month slash year. This <laughs> is did, a company yeah. that uh, we have mentioned a couple of times um, and uh, because we've got questions on it from listeners. Uh, and both times we resoundingly said we wouldn't basically touch it with a 10-foot pole. Uh, and I think you'll reiterate, we got some flack from some people who were uh, real, you know, believers in the story long term. But we're just looking at the numbers and uh, from experience, looking at businesses like this who glom on to, you know, the flavor of the day or the hot topic of the day. And, you know, that seems to be the case here. But you can go through the whole story right now. From our Stars and Dog segment, it's time for this week's Dog. <laughs> Certainly. So this is Sona Nanotech Inc. S O N A on the C S E. Currently trading at a price of about thirty-five cents and a market cap of twenty-two million. Now, Sona Nanotech is in the life sciences industry with the primary objective to develop and produce its own lateral flow rapid COVID nineteen antigen tests, utilizing its gold nanotechnology, which is supposed to increase performance and reduce the time to market. Now, as Ryan said, this is actually the third time that we've covered Sona on the podcast now. Uh, The first time was in mid-2020 when the stock traded around $2.50, and then later in December of 2020 when the stock soared to highs of $16 and then had retraced back to just $1 per share. So that's when we recovered it, essentially. So both times we covered the stock, we highlighted it as highly speculative and not a company with investment merit. And like Ryan said, again, following these statements, we did get quite a bit of criticism online with people saying we didn't understand the technology and how it was going to be revolutionary. You know, and and what I would say to those people who made these comments is that they were right in the fact that we are financial analysts, not scientists. So we cannot pretend to understand the technology that was supposed to be groundbreaking and come to the conclusion that its test would pass approval and be revolutionary for fighting COVID-19, which was why we erred on the side of caution considering the company had yet to produce any revenue and traded with a market cap of over $100 million at the time we, uh, we had it on the podcast. So looking at a few key points here, which recently made it a dog again, On June 11th, 2021, the company announced it was discontinuing its previously announced clinical trial of its COVID-19 rapid antigen saliva test due to inadequate test sensitivity with clinical saliva samples. So obviously this was horrible news. The stock, I believe, went from about $1.20 right down to about $0.30 that day on that news. Now, David Regan, CEO of Sona Nanotech, said, We are surprised that our clinical trial did not show a corresponding level of sensitivity to our laboratory studies, which showed that our saliva test was able to detect gamma irradiated COVID-19 virus at clinically relevant levels. Furthermore, he said, we look forward to 
continuing further bold pursuits in new applications that leverage both our proprietary gold nanorod technology and the considerable base of experience afforded, uh, afforded to us by our COVID-19 test development program. So you can see him kind of spinning it here where it's, you know, he's saying that, uh, you know, our COVID-19 test uh, development program didn't work that well, uh, but you know we great we gained great experience from it, and now we're going to pivot into new areas. So just to note, some of these tangents for its nano red or its nano rod technology include point of care diagnostics, drug delivery, photothermal therapy, and cell imaging. But again, we come back to our initial point. We have no idea if Sona's proposed technology will indeed be effective for any of these areas. So quickly, quickly looking at the recent financial results for Q2 of 2021, there's still no revenue, of course, and the company had a loss of over $3 million in the last quarter. Uh, and the company right now has about $500,000 in net cash. So we could reasonably expect that they will have to issue more shares in the coming coming quarters to keep the lights on and pursue new potential opportunities, uh, especially because this is a company that has to invest uh, quite heavily in research and development because they they don't even have a product to bring to market. So to conclude, I think this is very straightforward. The stock was built completely around the premise that its rapid COVID-19 test would work and be brought to market, leading to Sona, which had no revenue to trade with a market cap of over $700 million at its peak, which is absolutely outrageous in my opinion. Now, if a trader was able to get a quick flip out of the stock, I would like to congratulate them, but overall timing on when to get in or out of a stock like this would have been near impossible. It is a very, very difficult thing to do. Now, as our listeners know, we are not traders and want to see a company grow long-term. Hundreds of investors placed their money in Sona at elevated prices and were left holding the bag, only to have their initial investment worth essentially nothing. Now, we even had an individual on YouTube ask if there was still hope for the stock to rebound to the pricey levels they had bought in at, but all we could essentially say is that it was far from a stock that we would recommend to uh, clients to hold and you know we still stand by that the company still doesn't have any revenue and it just stands as a good uh, you know kind of case study essentially where you have these high flyers that go from you know just cents all the way up to $16 and crash right back down you know it's a it's a good thing to uh, to keep in mind that can happen uh, with some of these high flyer names yeah um, it's a good summary uh, I mean, for me on this company, as you stated, we are not scientists. We don't have a specialty in Sona's particular field. But newsflash, neither are most of the investors that <laughs> fell in love with their quote unquote technology and just went on what management basically stated. Uh, again, newsflash here, management has a vested interest to say that their technology is great and everything's wonderful with the business. What we did know when we reviewed the company is there was not even a test kiss in, kit in the market. Uh, no proof of concept, nothing even close to revenue, and many competitors well ahead of this company. Um, pure speculation, it got to a $700 million valuation. That's ridiculous. And the more companies that I would say, generally speaking, uh, that one speculates on with a, this type of profile, no proof of concept, 
no revenues, no earnings, just a hope of something in the future, the more money will be lost by that individual over the long term. So I hope this serves as a cautionary tale. That's what we like to show. And that's why we revisit a company like this that, uh, you know, has lost investors a a considerable amount of money uh, on pure speculation over time. Uh, So, you know, again, Sono Nanotech is your cautionary tale uh, of a company that, you know, when you invest in companies with that profile, uh, more often than not, you end up in a lost position. Like we say, go on the flip side, look at companies that do have a proof of concept. They have revenues, they have earnings, they have cash flow. They are growing the business and they trade at relatively reasonable valuations. You can find them out there. The more companies you add with that profile of the 15 to 25 that you put in your portfolio, the better chance of success in the stock market, which is a hard area to invest in over the long term, but the more you put in your portfolio with that profile, the better chance you have of success. And again, on the flip side, there's the Sona Nanotechs of the world that serve as good illustrations of the uh, flip side of that equation, the downside risk you have in companies that don't have any of those qualities or don't match up to the qualities that we're looking for in the profile of what would be a good stock to invest in over the long term. So I hope that uh, summarizes it well for the listeners out there. Brennan, do you have anything to add for this week? No, that is good. You're good? good? Okay. We truly, truly missed Aaron. Um, I'm sh- this is the third time, I think, or second time maybe this week I'm shedding a tear that uh, I didn't have Aaron on the podcast this week. Um, we hope to have him back next week, and it'll be great to have all three of us on. Again, I'd like to thank listeners for sending in their questions for our Your Stock, Our Take segments. If you want a couple companies to look at, pit those two against each other. Uh, we will look at that and keep your keep your questions coming in ask us anything segment as well continue to rate us on itunes uh give us uh your ratings on there it helps us pump out some good content on here on a weekly basis thank you very much and i wish you all out there profitable investing thanks everyone